You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. So we're going to take the, uh, the next couple of weeks out, and we're going to talk about being a, a generous home, being a generous church. I'm going to start off by just saying a huge thank you again to all of you and your amazing generosity. I just think about whether that's financially, time, service, sacrifice, so many things you do as a church. Um, just thank you. Thank you. Um, often uh, you come to do a, a kind of a, a visionary talk um, to empower the church to... Um, to be more generous, but I, I just want to celebrate how generous uh, you are and, uh, and just to thank you for all that you do behind the scenes as well as, as up front. We couldn't do the things that we do in terms of church, particularly um, serving our city the way we do with compassion and love and kindness if it wasn't for uh, the generosity of this house. So thank you so much. Now, when I, when I think about one of the great stereotypes people have about the church uh, over the years of, of following Jesus. I've found that uh, many people um, inside the church, but more often outside the church, think uh, that all the church wants is my money. Has anybody ever heard uh, about that? And, uh, and for some, that is the case. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many churches have, have been destroyed uh, through financial uh, impropriety and scandal, and it's really horrific in terms of the witness that the church uh, has uh, often around the world with this. So um, I want to be really clear from the outset of this little series on being uh, a generous home, is that just in case anybody was wondering, we do not want your money. <laughs> we do not want your money, and neither does God need your money. But what God does want is our hearts. And that's really, really important that we know that. That what God is after in all of us, in me and as leaders and in this church, as disciples, is he is after our hearts in, in its entirety, holy, not divided, but he wants our hearts. He wants us all in. And in essence, foundationally, um, the, the great battle and, and war in our lives. Uh, for, for those of us who are following Jesus, we will discover through our entire lives, the great battle is this, essentially for what occupies our hearts. It's always a war and a battle for what is at the center of our hearts. Because what occupies our hearts and is at the center of our hearts will really determine how our life goes. And so there's always a daily battle for what comes at the center of our hearts. That comes down to one of two things. Either self is at the center or God is at the center. Every single day, take today, Monday morning, it'll always be, is self going to occupy my heart or is God going to occupy my heart? And, and I think what the church has done mistakenly and poorly over the years, and we see this especially with the popular rise of, say, the prosperity gospel, is making kingdom generosity and giving financially look 
like it's biblical. But actually, it is once again putting self at the center of our lives and our hearts. Giving is, is not God's way of raising money. It's always been about raising his children. It's about raising followers, radical followers of him and disciples. And so for me, generosity and giving is all about a discipleship issue. It's all about a heart issue. And as I say, selfishness I've, I've found has been put back into giving so often. I've heard it so many times. It could be thinking like, if I give, I will get it back a hundredfold. Anybody heard that? It could be um, seeing God more like a slot machine. Now, I have a vice. I've got to be honest with you. It's called penny pushers at Bridlington. <laughs> and now my kids have the addiction as well. And, um, but, but often we treat giving and generosity and God like that. Let's just keep putting the two Ps in, the two Ps in, and eventually we might win the, the five P. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just alluring, isn't it? You see the bracelet and, uh, and all these things, and um, that's for my kids, not for me. I want to be really honest with you this morning. I've given, and sometimes given really um, painfully, <laughs> costly, sacrificially, and my circumstances have got a whole lot worse. Um, sometimes I've not given how I know that I should, and I've been blown away by miraculous provision. Just scandalous grace of God. Sometimes I've given and like sowing and reaping like a farmer, whether that's immediately or over due time, there's been a corresponding action. The God that we serve, who's the God of sowing, is also the God of harvest. And so given uh, and amazing things have happened. But it's not about formula. Once we get into a, a formula with this stuff, I think we're in real danger. It's all about our hearts. It's all about obedience. It's all about discipleship. Now, this is actually the first time in nearly two and a half years I'm, I'm speaking about financial generosity as the senior pastor. We, we did a financial report um, last year. And one of the reasons for that, I just a story for you all here is that when COVID hit, there was a lot of, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but certainly in the church, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, there was a lot of extra drives for giving um, and supporting the church and, and going through the whole crisis, the COVID crisis. And I really sensed that the Lord was asking us not to ask the church for anything financially. In fact, we'd actually... Um, Tom will be able to tell you this is we had something set up on the website and just at the last minute I was like, it was like a faith uh, issue for us and for me and Joni as well just starting out as senior pastors were in this crisis and I really felt like the Lord say I don't want you to ask or talk about it and uh, that was quite hard when all you saw particularly when we see it now everything online a lot of people talking about this and, and our heart was to reach as many people as we could. And so I pulled the plug on 
some of the thoughts and plans that we had, and I just really felt the Lord say, don't do it. And then within an hour of doing that, we had a secular business give us 1,500 pounds. And it was just like a little you know, drop in the ocean, really, but it was almost like God just saying, look, if you, if you follow me and hear my voice with this, then I will open up miraculous provision that, that no man could take credit for, <laughs> and it will be completely him. And, um, but for the last, I'd say, six months to 12 months, I felt like the Lord kind of gave me permission to talk more about generosity to us. And I know times are hard uh, with COVID. I know times are hard with uh, prices rising everywhere. So we understand that. I remember being in a church um, many years ago before I came to Hull uh, in West Yorkshire. And uh, one, one of these kind of prosperity preachers came to the church I was asking the church to donate money for their latest plane. Now, um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but what was, uh, and I'm not, again, I'll never judge someone's motives or reasons for things, but um, what was interesting is, is if you knew the context of that church, is the majority of people were probably in debt for even a kettle. Never mind giving into someone's plane fund. And so I just think that was probably inappropriate uh, at best. And I think we've got to understand that the, the many people's situations, should ne- they should never feel a sense of guilt or manipulation when it comes to finances. And that is why everything that we do in this church is we want to provide a grace outpost. We had Mark up here share last week about our, uh, about our CMA, our debt recovery center. And that's really important that we're, we're not just talking about stuff but not backing it up with help for people. Whether someone's been a Christian for decades or someone's new to the faith or someone doesn't have any faith whatsoever, we want to say we want to help you with the rising costs. We want to help you with debt. We want to help you with what is most likely uh, brokenness in addiction or relationships that has led you to this place. We want to help you get better because at the end of the day it's about setting people free not putting more burden on people. And so I want you to hear my heart this morning. That is never going to come from us in terms of this church. And so when it comes to giving to the church, tithing to the church, I want us all as a, as a, a community to kind of step up in terms of our level of understanding and, and a maturity when it comes to these things. We give because foundationally God is extravagantly generous and we're called to live lives that reflect him and follow him. If we want to follow Christ, then it will mean we will start to look like Jesus and he is radically generous. That is the foundational point of everything when it comes to generosity. We give because whether anything happens in this life, we want to give because it's just the right thing to do. I've been on this journey for 20 plus years in terms of a, a giving journey, but for Joni and I married over the years is we've just committed that whether we hit hard times, good times or whatever, is that we've first and foremost want to just do the right thing because it's the right thing. We want to be obedient to Jesus. Um, we give to what we love and so when we give it helps us on that journey to realign our loves. Because it's so easy, isn't it, for our priorities and our loves 
to kind of get out of place and out of the wrong order. We give because we want Jesus to be just astounded at our faith. There's, there's a lot in the Gospels where Jesus is taken aback by people's faith and he's not the people we often think he would be astounded by and amazed by. But because money is something so tangible, it's really easy to put our trust in it rather than putting our trust in the one who is invisible. And so therefore, that is an expression of faith. And when we express our faith, it's amazing how the miraculous starts to happen and unfold in our lives. We give for the sake of eternity. Not necessarily now. We give because we value the kingdom. We value the gospel. We value rescuing people more than our comfort or meeting our needs. We give because we recognize we have a proclivity. I have a proclivity to greed and to selfishness and to self-preservation. And particularly during COVID, that has only increased where our world has become smaller and smaller because we long to protect ourselves. We stop seeing often the world out there and when we give generously, it, we release our hands and our world begins to become bigger and bigger all around us. But because we have a proclivity to sin and to greed and selfishness, generosity counteracts that. Generosity destroys that in us. It's God's way of destroying that in us. We give because we want to live free and detached from the tyranny of things and worry. It's amazing how much worry people have over finances. It's a real worry, a real cause of anxiety for people. Generosity is God's way of detaching ourselves from the tyranny of that. We give because we want to move from a, a divided heart to a heart that is undivided. We give because we want to be attached to the system of the kingdom rather than the corrupt, broken systems of the world. And everything in that isn't about me or you. It's about God. It's about placing God at the center of our hearts and lives and so that we can continuously, daily, which is really all we can ever do is say yes to him. Just say yes to him in all that we do. Giving is about the heart. It's about obedience. It's at the heart of the gospel. It's fundamental to removing the idol of self from our hearts and creating room for the king of kings in our hearts. And generosity, isn't it, is completely opposite to the culture around us. There's so many things just pulling us, so many scripts, narratives, pulling us in the direction of selfishness and meeting our needs and our wants and our desires. There's not a great deal about giving away. And so it's great that the church, um, we talk about these things, that we have discussions about money, about how we can be stewards of what God has given us, not be sovereign, not be in charge. We recognize that all things that we have belong to him. So we're stewards of what he's given us, how to keep out of debt, how to fulfill our financial obligations, to be financially stable. All these things are so, so important. But it must never be devoid of the larger call, the gospel call and consideration to be God's ambassadors on the earth. 
And so the normal plan is, I, th- I think, often devoid of gospel perspective and vision because it focuses much more on money and personal need rather than God's grand gospel agenda, which is the nations coming to him. And to root out selfishness and greed in our lives. Now, culturally, if you think about it, consumerism and advertising is just pulling us in a certain direction to spend on ourselves mainly. The promise of security and fulfillment through having the latest thing is the dominant story of our world. If you want identity, even go on eBay. What's the tagline? Find what makes you, you. Now, I'm not against eBay. We love eBay, don't we, Joni? Well, you do. Uh, They come to our door daily. Miraculous provision. Find what makes you, you. I find that so interesting. Right move. Do you know what right move's tagline is? Find your happy. Now, I'm not saying don't go on right move. I'm not saying you need a filter and accountability partner for right move. Okay? I like right move. Find your happy. So God, I think, is keenly aware of the pull and the trappings. And so he has a lot to say about it that can help us move into freedom life. And his root belief, this is God's perspective when it comes to love of money, is that money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. I just let that sink in for a moment. Money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. Jesus singled it out as the single biggest competitor to God, the power and the spirit of mammon. There are over 2,000 references to money in the Bible. It's talked more about Heaven and hell combined by Jesus. 15% of his teachings are about this. 11 of his parables mention it. Only the kingdom of God receives more attention. Jesus warns people far more often about greed than ever sex outside God's design. And yet, when was the last time we had an altar call for greed? We'll have one in about 15 minutes. (laughs) And I'll be the first one down there just to let you know. So the Bible elevates it. It's one of the major aspects of the world. And if we're to combat against the scripts and the spirit of mammon in our culture, we have to talk about money as a discipleship issue and as a heart issue. And so I just really want to give you one thing today to take away with you. And that's maybe a fresh angle, a perspective in this whole idea of generosity. Because I think if we understand this, it kind of helps us with lots of other maybe kind of trickling issues we may have with money. And um, it's about the power of attachment. The power of attachment. I think if we can grasp this deep in our hearts and our minds, then I think it can really help us when it comes to um, this journey of generosity. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you have a Bible. Matthew chapter 6. I want to read from verse 19 to 34. And I want us to read this in its fullness so you can really... Grasp God's heart in the reading of this. So Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. 
where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just kind of underline that if you have a, a pen. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one, underline this as well, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, underline this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is really raising the question, the point, of attachment in this passage. Choose mammon or God. Have you seen how clear it is? There's no, it's not a gray issue. There's, there's a lot in the Bible that kind of is gray, it's a kind of suggestion. This is like, you've got a simple choice to make. I know how aggressive this can be. Your proclivity to greed and to hoarding and to selfishness is and the power, I understand the power of mammon. I understand it so well you need to be really clear cut on this. You can't afford to have a divided heart on this. You can't afford to have just an opinion on this. I need to come in quite strong here. Choose mammon or God. You cannot serve both masters. It's not something we can sit on the fence about. Divided loyalty is impossible. As Jesus reminded the devil in the wilderness, God's kingdom demands exclusive loyalty. A single-mindedness when it comes to these things. It's really to do with attachment, therefore. Do you either attach yourselves to God and his kingdom and his story and the economy of heaven or do you attach yourself to the powers of the world? the broken systems of the world, the values of this earth which are corruptible, which are perishable, which will not last. One will lead to complete freedom and the other one will lead to slavery. Which will you choose? Take a step back for a moment in this passage and it's clear there's one way which is following God and seeking first, not second, not third, not fourth, seeking first 
God's kingdom, God's righteousness, which is basically God's way of doing things, or we seek the world's way. One carries blessing and favor eternally. The other carries insecurity, worry, and anxiety. And yet it's amazing, is it? Because it is such a powerful thing, because it's... All money is always on our mind. It's kind of like, whether at the shops, whether it's drawing a wage, whatever it is, it's always thinking about money. Whether it's watching the television or on the internet. Because it's there, we try and, it's kind of surrogate control. We try and control things, and that leads to more anxiety and worry. Whereas God's way is, I know that's a temptation, but to relinquish surrogate control, which is worry, and you will come into a place of true freedom. So often that's how we try and, most of our issues come down to control. And that's usually the place of most anxiety. Trying to control things, trying to control ourselves, trying to control people. And we may frame it, this or that, Christian jargon or beliefs or principles, but at the end of the day it is to do with trying to control God and the situation rather than in faith relinquishing control and letting God now step in to our moment, into our situation. Do you know, every time we give money, we declare that money does not control me. We declare over the spirit of mammon and the spirit of this age, you have no power over me. We say it to ourselves, which is the ultimate battle. Remember what I said at the beginning between self and God, to the enemy and to the scripts of this world, to the culture of this world. Ultimately, it's expressing trust in Jesus. And Jesus' command here is to detach yourself from storing up treasure on earth, which is corruptible, but detached from that, we must attach to something else. And let me tell you, this, when it comes to anything in life, anything, any kind of addiction, any kind of compulsion, proclivity, idol in our hearts, repentance and rejection of idols is not enough. You always have to replace it with something else. Have you ever tried to not think about something? <laughs> it's like, don't think about the pink elephant in the room. It's all you're thinking about. Try not to think about this or that. It's, it's, I just can't help it. You must renew your mind and replace those thoughts with the God type of thinking in order to flourish. And just to let you know, just a little trailer, uh, we're going to be spending, after this, a uh, whole month looking at mental and emotional well-being as a church and looking at how we can uh, step in some more freedom in, in those really pivotal areas. And so you have to replace, you can't just detach from, yeah, I get it, okay, I, I, don't, I don't want anxiety, I don't want worry, I don't want the spirit of mammon, to be, I don't want to be slave to that, but you have to attach yourself to the way of the kingdom, the way of truth, the way of God. And it's enlightening this passage because Jesus is saying this, where your treasure is, that will reveal automatically where your heart is. Or vice versa, if you want to have a real and honest analysis 
of where your heart is, then you need to look at where your treasure is. And if you follow the trajectory and the trail of that, and it may be something simple this week, just having an honest conversation with yourself, with your family, and looking at your bank account, and say, if we were to follow like a little trail here, where does it tell us where our heart is? I mean, that's, that's the best way to really know where your heart is. And, and Jesus is unashamedly just really black and white about this. He knows how powerful it is, and he's just saying, look, follow the trail. If you want to know where your heart is, which is the most important thing, the battles for the heart, you've got to see where your treasure is. What do you value? It says you must attach yourself to this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now we live, don't we, in a buy now, pay later culture. That's very much uh, the culture that we live in right now. Credit card debt is, is huge and loans and things. And uh, a sensible financial advisor may say to you, actually, you need to think 30, 40, 50 years ahead rather than just thinking now. Okay? God, and I'll just put a number on this, but basically means eternity, God thinks 30 million years ahead. He doesn't just think 30, 40, 50 years ahead. He thinks millions of years ahead. And that's what he's talking about when it comes to laying up, storing up treasures in heaven. So the way that we live as disciples and followers of Christ in this area of finances and money and generosity is all about detaching from the spirit and the power of mammon and attaching yourself to God's way of thinking, which is eternity. It's more than a good financial advisor. Invest your treasure and your heart in things which are of eternal value. Number one, it's your heart, it's your character. That's like the most important thing you invest in right now is your character becoming like Jesus. So what ways can I invest in my heart and my life so that I'm becoming more like him? We talked about the return of Christ last week and if Christ was to return, what does that look like for you and for I? It's about investing in the church. It's about investing in the kingdom of God, about mission, about giving away. You see, there are many roadblocks, aren't there? Many roadblocks to generosity. There's control, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's pride, there's greed, there's insecurity, there's unbelief, there's patterns that we've learned growing up. There's all, the, all different things. But the biggest one is attachment to seeing this earth as my home rather than heaven. That is the biggest roadblock in this passage to generosity. There's a guy called Randy Alcorn who uh, has written some great stuff on this and I love his analogy. He talks about living for the line, not for the dot. In other words, our life is like a dot and we, we're, we're born and then we die and all of that is wrapped in our life and it's just a dot and often we live for that. We live for the dot rather than the long line that continues from the dot, the long line of eternity. 
And so Jesus here quite clearly is encouraging us to live not for the dot. Where it's often when we do that, it comes with worry and anxiety about just everyday things. And it lists a load of things, maybe where you eat and your clothes and all these sorts of things. But live for the line, the line beyond the dot. And he does that by encouraging us to attach ourselves to seeking first the kingdom. Attach yourself to God's way of doing things. And so many of us, we need to go actually on, as just come to mind, a spring clean. First of May, a spring clean. We need to detach and remove and reject maybe many things that make us slaves when it comes to finances, debt, hoarding, worry, the security of it, greed, materialism, could go on and on and on. But we must attach ourselves at the same time. Otherwise, we go into emptiness and striving, to generosity, to thinking eternally, to a life of simplicity, to selflessness, to peace, to blessing. There is a better way. There is a better script. There is a better story when it comes to giving. And we could take this with many things in our lives. Uh, you see it with lust and the epidemic of pornography. And that's been in the news this week with the government. And you can even manage that stuff by getting an accountability partner, putting some filters on a computer, ticking the various boxes. But in the Sermon of the Mount, it says this, the pure shall see God. And that is a great incentive than anything else, than managing our sin. The pure shall see God. If you want to see God and the fullness of God in your life, know his presence, know his intimacy, know his fellowship, know his freedom, know his pleasure and goodwill for our lives, that is the vision and the goal, to detach ourselves from the things of this world. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And so there's a better script, a better story. It's one called freedom, placing God at the center of our lives, which is really the journey of generosity. So just let me share a couple of things in conclusion and then we'll, we'll pray. That Rolex watch will not give you, at the end of the day, sleep at night. The perfect dream house will not secure your eternal treasure with Christ in the new heaven and new earth. That new car won't draw you closer to God. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. I'm saying if that's your goal for your heart, it will not happen. The way we detach ourselves from the seductive power of mammon is to attach ourselves to the king and his kingdom. Mammon is the power to have riches apart from God. It basically means I do not need you, God, because I have sufficiency in my life. And God is a jealous God and will not be shared with anyone or anything. Therefore, if we want to passionately run towards God himself, we need to recognize that everything we have is 
in Christ. And that is contentment that the Apostle Paul talks about, the church of Philippi. Contentment is knowing this, whether I have much or nothing, it's irrelevant because my sufficiency, my identity, my freedom is in Christ and the gospel. And so to reject mammon, you have to first look at what you have. And that's why gratitude and thankfulness for all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ is the most important thing. If you really want to have a, um, a recce on your, on your giving and generosity in your life, just start, first of all, with a piece of paper and list what you're thankful to God for. And if you're thankful to Jesus and his cross and eternal life and the blood, that's enough before you get into anything else to go, do you know what? I need to line up my life a little bit differently. I was just finish off with this slide. The usual way in the church is we earn our money, we enjoy it, usually we over-enjoy it, which lands us in debt. We repay our debt from overspending, we save for future needs once we're out of debt, and we give if and when there is anything left over. That is where a lot of people line up with. But God's way of managing money, I think, looks a bit more like this. We earn our money, we give generously to the work of the Lord, and I'll talk more about this next week in terms of what comes first. We save for future needs, we repay our debts, and we enjoy what is left over. I believe one is the way of anxiety, I believe one is the way of true freedom and faith. I want to encourage you to see that giving and generosity and money is primarily and foundationally to do with attachment. And if you see yourself as a child of God who belongs not of this world, but of another kingdom, you'll recognize that the things that we see are temporary and the things which are unseen are of eternal value. And how we use money and defeat mammon for 21st century disciples of Christ as a church, as a witness in this city, I believe will be one of the most defining marks of a disciple who wants to win the world for Christ. I'd love it. I believe it's happening, but I believe there's a lot more to go. If we as individuals and we as a community, that we're known for our generosity, wherever we are, our workplace, in our neighborhood, yeah, those people, we can say this about them and that about them, but we can say this, they're generous. They can say that about the Vineyard Church, they are a generous church. They give away, and they just give away, and it may cost them, but they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going. They have determined that is the way of the kingdom. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.